0: Welcome to the Dewhawk Digest, the podcast that keeps you informed on all things Loris College. In this episode, we'll take a peek behind the curtain at the Loris Players. I'm Robert Waterbury, Assistant Director of Campus Communications, and joining me in the studio is Ryan Decker, the Director of Theater at Loris College. Dohawk Digest. It's good to be here. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me in the studio. Yeah, no S- problem. Thanks for having me. And I know you're busy this time of year, so I'm busy every time <laughs> <Yeah>. of year. <laughs> <laughs> so, you've been here at Loris for this is your second year. This is my second year, yes. So, what before we get into Loras and the players, what, how about a little bit about background on you in terms of what's your theater sure. experience and what led you to Loras College?
1: Um, well, I think a big factor is I'm originally a Dubuquer. I was born and raised in Dubuque. Uh, went to Dubuque Senior High School and uh, was very involved in the uh, theater program at Senior High under uh, Aaron Dean. And uh, decided to pursue that in college. So I went to uh, University of Northern Iowa And they have an incredible faculty there and facilities and really enjoyed my time there. And I moved back to Dubuque. um, And a little bit before I came back to Dubuque, I started a company uh, called Trainwreck Productions, which was a nonprofit uh, theater company here in Dubuque uh, with some friends of mine and also some uh, Loris alum that uh, also got on board and joined the company. So that was a pretty exciting time. Uh, eventually I moved to New Orleans for a spell, um, ended up doing a bunch of acting and directing down there and, uh, went to the University of New Orleans for grad school. And, uh, after that was looking to move back home cause, uh, I, I was missing Dubuque quite a bit. And, uh, just coincidentally doug donald happened to announce he was retiring about the same time i was looking to move back so okay. sent in the application and that's how i landed here
0: right. so that's a, yeah. that's a a culture shock to go from dubuque to new orleans you
1: know it's it, it is in some ways you know it's a it's a bigger sort of party mardi gras type culture down there mm-hmm. Um, But I was sort of attracted to New Orleans because there are a lot of similarities to Dubuque. Uh, Something about being on the Mississippi River felt comfortable. Um, A lot of the architectural things, the the, uh, fleur-de-lis is everywhere down there. It somehow just felt like a sister city to Dubuque. So it was a nice compromise between wanting to get out of the small town Midwest but not necessarily wanting to go to New York City or Los Angeles or live in my car. So. Sure.
0: And then in terms of the performances or the acting, different <laughs> things that you've done, what, anything in particular you kind of lean toward? You did any um, drama, comedy, musical? Is there anything in particular that you kind of focused on? Oh, or? Well,
1: I think it kind of depends on um, what my role in it is. Um, when I'm acting, I, I tend to get a tend to do very well in the, uh, dark comedy roles. I seem to get cast in them a lot. It's a sort of nuanced performance that I, I believe I play pretty well. And apparently directors do too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then when I'm directing, uh, I really enjoy, um, sort of the bodier comedies and musical comedies. Um, and you, you know, on the opposite of that, I really enjoy the, uh, the, contemporary ensemble shows. So I know there's a lot in between the two of those styles, but I, I really prefer to be on, you know, one of those ends of the spectrum.
0: Okay. Yeah. Nice. So, and you've continued, even since you've been to, to come to Dolores, you've continued to, to act on your own in different.
1: Yeah. When I have time, I, I, I try to audition and, and stay active in the community. Um, this past summer I did a, um, Mary Poppins, a role in Mary Poppins. And before that, I uh, was in Calendar Girls. And uh, over J-term this year, I wasn't teaching. So I directed a, a Rock of Ages down at the Grand Opera House. So um, yeah, I try to stay active in the larger community when I have the opportunity to. Sure. Yeah.
0: So let's look at, at Loras now. So you come to Loras mm-hmm. and you are now Directing the Loris Players, which is in its 109th year as yes. a program, which is pretty spectacular in and of itself. What's it been like then since you've been to Loris and kind of in this role?
1: Oh, what's it been like how? It's been a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. um, th- it's, a, it's a new environment to me in that um, it, it is one position here. Um, so that is something that I'm still adjusting to and seeing uh, well how how do how does student leadership play into uh, that understanding that there's one person running uh, this program? Um, also it's a it's an educational environment. so there is also wonderful opportunity to program shows like, uh, this fall, we did Oedipus Rex. Last year, we did Hedda Gobbler. Uh, those are shows very worthwhile, very worth exploring, though not uh, necessarily commercially successful at this time, so uh, we have the opportunity in this sort of educational environment um, to explore challenging scripts that are uh, worth our time, though they might not be commercially successful projects. You know at another theater we might not consider doing Oedipus.
0: Okay. Yeah. But and how have the how have the students taken on these kind of these more challenging performances or, or works?
1: Well I, I think they've been doing a fantastic job. Um, uh, I don't I suppose that's a tough question for me to answer. I, I don't really know how they're they're doing necessarily personally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I hope they're enjoying it. I I seem to there is Great student feedback when I heard uh, when they heard that we were doing Oedipus Rex, which is not something I was necessarily expecting to hear. Everyone excited about Oedipus Rex, you know, considering a uh, Silent Sky and She Kills Monsters were the other two major productions this year. But uh, um, they seem to be into the picks so far. I know we've only had two seasons of programming, so uh, we'll see if that enthusiasm for kind of jumping all over the spectrum of styles and genres if that's uh, something that continues to be appreciated with enthusiasm or not okay
0: and and the idea in terms of the uh, something like Oedipus, Oedipus Rex being mm-hmm. a more challenging as you say is that that's not just on the stage is that also for the behind the scenes at components too for the um the other elements, yeah, obviously there's so much more than just standing on a, st- on a stage and, and reciting lines. There's, there's way more involvement in it. Is it kind of challenging across the board for everybody?
1: Um, I think all of the shows are challenging mm-hmm. across the board for everyone. Um, and it really depends on what sort of resources we have available at any particular time. Um, so my first season here last year, we did a fair amount of black box studio shows just because... Walking in, I wasn't sure how we could build the sets, if we'd be able to, if it would be uh, just a flood of students trying to help get it built, or if I'd, you know, commit to something I'd be building, you know, by myself in the wee hours. Um, so it really it depends on a, on a show-to-show basis where the challenge uh, truly lies. Um, but I think all, performance-wise, all of the pieces are... Um, challenging in their own way whether it's justifying an archaic language or um, if it's selling believably a more nuanced contemporary language um, so i think they're they're all they're all challenging it's 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 never easy to tell a story uh in public in in front of people live
0: okay. well and how do you go about selecting these stories so obviously they're, they're challenging you want to be want to provide the students something they can kind of sink their teeth into and really kind of ex- give them different experiences there's a ton of works out there how do you yeah. what's your process for uh, for selecting shows
1: you know I wish I had a more set process um, right now uh, I, I don't have that um, and I just try to read as many uh, contemporary plays new things being published as I can um, and sometimes you know you come across a script that is that's fantastic and um, not only is it a great script, but you know you have the student body for it, you know you have the resources to produce it, um, and then other times you're, you're spending a lot of time reading scripts that might be bad, or scripts that are great, but you can't produce. Um, so I, I try to see a lot of plays, I try to go to a lot of table readings. Um, uh, Silent Sky, I came across at, at a, a table read at the Galena Center for the Arts, and I heard them read it, and I went, oh, this this is perfect, and uh, ended up happening just at the right time. Okay,
0: is any of that, and, and I know it's hard to do that when you're trying to plan out a year in advance kind mm-hmm. of what, what's going on. Do you kind of look at a performance and think, okay, I have the students who are capable of doing this?
1: Uh, yeah, So, um, well, it's, it's, it's a blend. It's, it's, it's both. Uh, in the case of uh, Silent Sky, Knew I'd have the cast for that. It's also a very small ensemble show. Um, And then something like Oedipus Rex or She Kills Monsters, which has a significantly larger cast. Um, And I made the decision just to commit to those anyways in the hopes that if you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. Um, And that by having 20 roles available, hopefully 20 or more people will show up to take them. So... um, It's always a bit of a calculated gamble, you know, trying to account for what you can and leaving room for what you cannot.
0: Okay. Okay. So, well, and you mentioned Silent Sky, and that's one of the two plays that kind of were part of the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, We participated as uh, associate productions this year.
0: Okay. So what, I mean, and that was, that was January. You guys received some, uh, commendations for performances and you as a, as a director received a commendation as well. We sure did. What, uh, what can you tell me about that experience taking, taking these performances to, oh, to well, the festival?
1: So we are not able to take them to the festival okay. at this time. Um, uh, the hope is that eventually we will, and we'll be able to participate as uh, full productions. And we hope that these, uh, commendations are sort of a step in the direction to participating that way. Um, but uh, as associate productions, uh, what we do is we uh, reserve a seat for an adjudicator who comes from one of our peer institutions, and they will come and they will watch the show, and then after the show, uh, they provide really helpful feedback. They're not trying to change what we're doing the rest of our run, um, but they just tell us what they observed in terms of uh, performance or uh, technical elements or just general storytelling. Um, and uh, as a result of that they may or may not uh, nominate certain students for uh, the Irene Ryan acting scholarship or uh, commendations for uh, technical contributions or direction or uh, stage management.
0: Okay and so and you were in so Loris falls under in the region five which is I believe a five-state area is that correct it's Iowa, Minnesota, the Dakotas, Nebraska
1: that sounds right. In Missouri,
0: I believe, too. I think so maybe so. one more in there. So that's a pretty a pretty wide group of schools that are taking part and to get commendations for your roles from the acting and then also the directing is, is pretty fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, it's a nice little feather in your cap. To yeah. And <laughs> share that out and and something to to help build the program on too. Well, that is the hope. Yeah. Yeah. So moving forward, you're hoping to do more of the, the festivals, obviously, right now through the, the adjudica- adjudication component and then mm. building up to uh, actually presenting.
1: Yeah, that would, that would be uh, the ultimate hope is that um, we'll have programming uh, a little farther out in advance, uh, a little, the longer I'm here, the more likely I think I'll be able to gauge what sort of students might be coming in knowing what students were were losing at the end of May and uh, uh, be able to plan for uh, classical and contemporary shows that will, uh, first of all, do everything we want to um, educationally, providing opportunities for students being the first one and then them having some sort of a, um, educational component be it the literature be it some sort of technical specialty we have to bring to the show um and if in the pursuit of that we were to also participate in uh, the festival that would be great
0: okay good yeah. well definitely uh plans to kind of to build towards right
1: yeah it's it's something to aim for in the the early stages of uh, the the directing career here yeah
0: so yeah. in addition to obviously the the shows they put on there's also the Prov, Drup- Duprov uh, Duprov yes the improv yep. group uh and actually we're coming up on their first performance for 2020 which is March 11th and the 13th so March 11th is Hawk Day so March 11th is Hawk Day so yep. that'll be their their first performance what uh for somebody who isn't familiar with Duprov Mm -hmm. what's they they come on do hawk day to see it what what can they expect
1: oh so duprov is our improvisational comedy troupe um so what they can expect at this particular show will be a a competition style uh comedy show so they will take suggestions and input from the audience and uh improv a, a variety of games against each other um uh and sort of determine who who is the champion, who is the funniest, who can you know pull the comedy rabbit out of a hat, and uh, and and win this little uh, skirmish we have between the two teams. Um, so that is what Duprov is this coming semester. Is that sort of competition style, and then uh, opposite of the competition, we have a, just a regular uh, improv showcase. So we're The plan right now is to alternate between a showcase and a showdown.
0: Okay, and so that's obviously the 11th and the 13th, and where is that going to be held?
1: That'll be held in Hoffman Hall, uh, St. Joseph Auditorium.
0: Okay, all right, so, and also in Hoffman Hall, St. Joseph Auditorium on May 7th through the 9th, the She Kills Monsters, which you've mentioned before, Mm -hmm. will be performed. What kind of preview can you provide for what that show is all about?
1: Well, we have our first read-through tonight. Um, So the show is about to begin revealing itself to us. Um, So I can't say a whole lot in terms of uh, what you might see just yet. But uh, the story uh, is about a girl named Agnes and her younger sister, Tilly, as well as her mom and dad, um, die in a car accident. The play takes place after the accident, after the deaths. And Agnes, uh, while cleaning out her uh, parents' place, discovers her younger sister Tilly's old D&D notebook. And she takes that D D notebook uh, to Chuck, the guy that works at the local game shop, to sort of decode what is this thing.
0: And and just to so interject yeah. real quick, so D for anybody who's not oh. is Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons it's kind and of Dragons. a very popular role playing game. Yes. Um, so she takes it to the local the game shop.
1: Yeah, she takes to the game shop, and uh, the guy there recognizes that this is. Uh, a D and D module written by Tilly and Tilly is of some local fame in the D and D community. Um, so Agnes decides that she is going to play this game. Um, and she has Chuck as her dungeon master in the game. And, um, as she plays this game, the adventure comes to life and Tilly herself ends up being a character in the D and D game. And, uh, over the course of the play, Agnes starts to realize that it's not just d and D module; it's also a bit of Tilly's own personal journal or diary, and starts learning about Tilly as she plays the game. Um, and there are some complicated emotions and some complicated family discoveries that happen over the the course of that uh, discovery.
0: Okay, and is this this is considered a, a dark comedy?
1: Um, it's considered a dark comedy. Okay. Um, uh, I, I, I've recently reread it again, and, and I'm not sure how uh, dark it is in, in the traditional sense of if it's a very deeply dramatic or sure. disturbing comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely touches on some sensitive issues on a, um, a sexual orientation, on uh, bullying and harassment. Um, So it it is classified as that dark comedy, um, but it it, it doesn't quite feel like a dark comedy. It it feels like a comedy that just has some very uh, serious, almost on-the-nose moments about what is acceptable and what is not acceptable.
0: Okay, and you said the first table reads for that, so... That's a nice. That's a nice kind of teaser to kind of, yeah, kind of set that up. And and again, that's going to be May seventh through the 9th, and that will be actually the final Loris players' performance for this academic year. That is correct. And then you're busy trying to plan out, twenty 2020, twenty twenty one academic oh, yeah. year. yeah. Any any ideas yet for what you have going on for the fall at least?
1: Um. Well, there are, there are some regular programming things we know we will be able to expect. Um. We always have the 24-hour play, or I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> the one-day play, mm-hmm. um, which is where we take students and they are locked into the they're locked into Hoffman Hall for 24 hours, and at the end of 24 hours, we open a show. Um, so that's always fun. Um, Prov will continue. We will likely have another um, fall showcase and spring showdown. Um, we have the, the Christmas radio play, happens every year. Um, so those are some regular things that we're, we're sure will happen. Uh, next year is also a, a musical year. We do a musical every other year, so we'll expect a musical sometime next year. Um, also next year we begin uh, our co-produc- co-producing relationship with uh, the Dubuque Fine Art Players. Um, And we will be collaborating with them to produce the annual DBQ One Act Festival, which is a performance of uh, award-winning one-act playwrights, um, which is, uh, I believe this is the oldest one-act play contest um, in the United States. So that's exciting to team up with them to produce that.
0: So no rest for you. You're just going to keep plugging along.
1: Apparently I'm a masochist. <laughs> That's that seems to be.
0: <laughs> well, it just makes it more exciting then for everybody here to have kind of something to, more stuff to look forward to and really kind of see how the the LORES players and how the the theater program develops.
1: Yeah. It's 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 very exciting and we have some great student leaders that come forward to uh, do things like direct those uh, uh, Christmas radio plays to be the team captains that lead the DuProv troops um, and also o- organize and uh, uh, run the one-day play so um, there 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 are teams of people beside me working on it but yes it, it is still felt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Well, I will let you, I won't keep it much longer. I don't want to take up any of your time as you're trying to get all this stuff going for <laughs> you. But, but Ryan Decker, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. All right, and thank you to all who listened into our discussion. And we hope you enjoyed the conversation. To find more episodes of the Dewhawk Digest, as well as more Loras news, videos, and information, visit the Loras Daily website at daily.loras.edu. We hope you'll join us for the next Dewhawk Digest, as well as attending the upcoming Loras Players performances. Until next time, go Dohawks.